Welcome back to the Team Worth Having podcast. A lot of business owners don't actually know what their job is as a founder. They think that running around, solving problems, being the manager of this area, handling that upset, calling the client, stepping in, they think that these things are business ownership and they're not. Uh, A lot of business owners don't understand the difference between a founder and a manager and definitely managers don't understand it. So I'm going to be going through the founder-manager structure and it's really important that if, especially if you want to scale, if you have goals of growth or you are stuck in your business in a certain way that you don't want to be or you want to hand things over to managers, this concept has to be understood by you and by them. So essentially there are three entities or core categories in any group, whether it be an organization, a company, even a family, you could argue. Uh, and it consists of founder, manager, team member. So the things that a founder is responsible for are strategic vision and strategic and tactical planning. So the reason why vision is important, and it can be it can be very airy-fairy and we can feel like it's not really worth investing time in, mostly because a lot of founders change their vision or they, they specify it at the start of the year, then everyone forgets about it, or they don't ensure that the vision gets achieved. But the reason why vision is so important is, let's just say we're, we're on a plane and we're in the cockpit we don't know the overall direction we're going in we can't strategize towards that end we can't prioritize certain things so if you have let's just say one office or one site or one branch and you want to you want a 5x and you want to get to five branches five offices five locations you're going to make decisions really differently depending on on that so let's just say you you wanted to hire i don't know um, a specific manager you might justify spending an extra forty thousand dollars on someone who has shown that they've grown companies before or been a part of growth like that if you're going to expand to five locations but justifying spending an extra 40 grand if you're going to stay the same size just doesn't make sense so the vision puts things into perspective and it justifies certain actions taking place so strategic vision is super important but then you also have tactical planning so the tactical plans are the the specific breakdown of how to achieve that and what what sequence and what priority and tactical planning is sorely sorely missed in business it's a skill that is actually can be tricky to, to master, but it's it's not enough to just have the vision. You must have the, the tactical plans. Uh, the founder is also responsible, and I'm reading this out now, um, high-level financials. I recommend that no founder ever relinquishes their grip on their money. Uh, that's kind of a separate topic, but just if I've seen a lot of companies do that. They give it to a CFO or a finance manager, and it just has never ended well in my personal observation. High-level marketing, that's important to stay in line with the brand. It's your vision of, of what you're representing and what you stand for. And then high-level relationships, sales, and alliances. So founders should be opening doors and having having conversations and rubbing elbows with whomever is going to help that strategic vision get achieved. You then have research and development and special projects. So a founder also is there to develop the way that things are done, different services, different products, different technologies, different machinery, if that's applicable, and then also special projects. So these are things that um, occur outside of the day-to-day running. Things like researching a new software would be a special project or um, locating a new office to move into. That's something you don't want your day-to-day staff bothered with or um, consumed by. So that would be under the founder. And then the last thing you have here is um, policies and processes for each and every role and function. And normally when I read this to founders, they they listen very intently. They're like, yes, I love all of that. And then I get to policies and processes for each and every function and, and they don't like the sound of that. And they often say, you know, isn't that a manager's job? And the answer is, well, no, it's not. And I'm going to tell you why. So in order to really understand the power of policy, you've got to know its definition. And a lot of people would define policy as 
like a rule or a regulation and it's it's not a very robust definition i'm going to give you a new one so i define policy as quote a documented successful way to do something that solves yesterday's issues and prevents tomorrow's troubles a documented successful way to do something that solves yesterday's issues and prevents tomorrow's troubles that's a really different definition of policy and that 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 brings about a, a few other important topics Firstly, if you're writing policy for that definition, you better make sure the person writing it knows what they're talking about, that it comes from some knowledge of that area, Uh, not just knowledge, actually, but results. If it's a successful way, you wouldn't get someone who um, to write policy on sales if they're not the highest performing salesperson, right? So it's really important that policy doesn't get written for the sake of it. And often that's the case. Someone will come in and say, well, I think it should be done that way. So we do it this way. So it's, it's really important to base on a successful action that solves yesterday's issues and prevents tomorrow's troubles. That obviously requires a bit of foresight. Um, and it obviously requires you to be aware of what issues you're facing as a company. Um, but also, it's it makes it obvious why it shouldn't be managers. Because you've got to think of it this way. If you make managers responsible for policy, you're going to have inconsistency because each manager is going to do it differently. So if I get $100 and I put it in the middle of the table and I ask each of my key managers how they think that $100 should be spent, they're going to disagree and you want them to disagree. You want each manager to fight for their area and go, I, I want to spend the $100 on this. And the finance manager will say, no, we're going to save that $100. We're not going to spend it. And the marketing manager is going to say, we're going to use that on ad spend. You want each manager fighting over that money. So when you have people of equal rank, they're going to disagree. Policy comes in and goes, all right, guys, I understand all your different viewpoints, but this is based on what works. We must spend a minimum of this on that. We must spend a minimum of that on this. Um, And it makes it focus back on what actually works, not what people think works. And most companies operate on what people think works, not what actually works. So that's one reason why you wouldn't get managers to write it. The other reason is that if you make it a manager's responsibility, then what happens when they leave? The next manager is going to come in and go, oh, at my last company, I did it like this. So let's change it. So you get a lot of inconsistency. And I guess the best the best way to, to, to make you think about this is let's just say we take McDonald's and imagine if McDonald's asked every single franchisee owner how they think a Big Mac should be made. What would happen to the brand of McDonald's? It would disintegrate. So when you look at it from that perspective, it becomes very clear why the founder should be involved in policy writing and should be um, accountable for it. Now, in saying that, often the founder isn't the best person to write it because there are roles or responsibilities that they don't even know. Like they might be like, well, I don't even know we use that software. What even is that software? So it doesn't mean they have to personally write every single word, but they must oversee it. They must read it and they must approve it. And when you think about it, if the definition of policy is a successful action documented, why on earth as a founder would you not want to know what your policy is? That's how your company is run because there might just be one sentence that someone has written. Maybe you get your manager to propose it to you of the policy for, I don't know, e-com. Say you have an online e-com store and you ask your e-com manager to write a policy, you want to check it because they might say one thing that undoes something else in another department or it violates a different policy that they're not aware of because they're only writing policy for their area. They're not writing policy for every area. Okay, don't get me too started on this. I'm going to go crazy. So policies and processes for each and every role and function must be a founder's of responsibility. Now, a founder is accountable for creating Four things. Can I count? One, two, three, four. Four things. I'm going to read them out. So a founder is accountable for creating a growing business that is profitable and financially powerful. That's number one. A growing business that's profitable and financially powerful. Number two, achieving its goals. 
Number three, united with vision. And number four, driven by policy. So that's the founders category. Now let's talk about the manager. The managers are responsible for a few things. The first thing is they're accountable for the achievement of the strategic and tactical plans. So whatever the hell the founder wants, the management team is accountable for creating that. Now, that means that in order for a manager to do their job, the founder has to do theirs first. You can't hold the manager to account for something that the founder hasn't defined yet. So if the founder says jump, literally the managers go how high? And one of the first things I say to management teams is, do you love your founder? Do you love where they're going? Do you love the vision? Nope, then you should leave. If you think you can do it better, if you're trying to figure out the vision, if you're trying to override the founder because you think you know better, go and start your own company. Because honestly, you need to love your founder and follow your founder. So the managers uh, achieve the strategic and tactical plans. They also enforce policy. So whatever policy the founder sets, the managers are there to enforce it. Now, enforce is a pretty brutal word, and I use that very much on purpose. Enforce means to um, compel observance of or compliance with. So say there's a law that says you can't wear orange shoes outside. The police's job is to enforce that. Now, they might compel you to observe that law by fining you $1,000 every time. Now, that would compel you to apply that law, right? So enforcement can be created in multiple different ways. If I hold a gun to your head and say, apply this policy and follow this policy, you'll do it. But the second I take the gun away, you're going to stop doing it. So you've got to figure out what ways do you want to enforce and and um, create observance of or compliance with something because you can use fear, you can use love, you can use um, respect or admiration, or you can use punishment. So enforcement is, is important because the managers are there. They're like the police officers. The managers are, are like the police officers of a company. But if they don't have anything to police, they have to create it themselves. If you don't give a manager policy, they're going to start to create it themselves and do what they think is right. And that creates inconsistency in all the things we just spoke about. So the manager enforces policy. They also give orders. Now, orders are a very uh, triggering word for some people, but it has to be agreed upon and it has to be known from staff and managers that managers must give staff orders and staff must follow them. And that cannot be offensive and that cannot be taken personally. If you don't have a manager that gives orders, you're going to lack leadership because let's just say this building's on fire. Someone is naturally going to start giving orders. If there's like 50 people running around and they're all going crazy and they're upset and they're unsure of what to do and they're screaming and they're like, oh my gosh, the fire, the fire. Someone's going to come across and naturally go, all right, you, you get the bucket. You go over there. You go and check that. And you naturally, someone's going to start giving orders. And whoever is the person giving orders is the one that's directing leadership. So without orders, people are, are going to disagree on what to do. They're going to um, have very different opinions and they're going to be inconsistent in how they approach things. So a manager has to be really good at giving orders. And there's a specific art form. There's actually five components of giving a good order. And if you don't do that, you actually lose respect from staff and you won't be able to ensure anything gets done. So managers have to remove any, I mean, we don't like giving orders specifically in Australia because we are afraid to hurt people's feelings. We are, we want to be liked and we don't like those tough, difficult conversations. So if you are as a manager listening to this and you're going, I'm terrible, I don't want to do that, you really need to either upskill yourselves in management or move out of a management position. Because if you are um, unwilling to give direction and give orders, you're going to have a hard time. So a manager gives orders. They're also an expert at getting staff at productivity capacity. So if you have a team of 10 
people who can make you a million dollars a year and they're only making you 800 grand a year, that's a 200 grand loss and that should be assigned to a manager. So it's important that a manager understands what is their output or their productivity capacity that they should be pushing their team to achieve consistently. They also do not get stuck in their juniors roles and said they coach and mentor their team to solve their own problems. So in Australia, we love putting staff who are good in a role in a management position, but being good at a staff member's role or, or, or being really good technically in a position does not mean you're good at getting others to be good at their job. In fact, the more good you are, the more good you are, the better you are at your role, the less likely you are going to be comfortably able to relinquish control and to let someone else make mistakes because you know best. So let's just say, I don't know, you and I start a hair salon or something and you're the senior technician and you see me stuffing up the hair. You're not going to stand there and be like, Amani, please let me mentor you on how to do this better. You're going to be like, move out of the way like you're doing it wrong. You're, you're ruining the customer's hair. Let me fix it for you. So it's really important that managers realize their job is not there to solve staff problems or do their work for them. And most managers think that's their job. Most managers go, it's my job to solve my staff problems. No, 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 no. It's your job to get them to solve it. And I think that personally, my observation working with so many managers, we have a bit of an ego about that. Like, it's really nice to have staff come to you and go, what do I do? It's nice to be the one that knows. It's nice to be the one that's asked. Nice to be the one that's needed. But I'm inviting you, if, if you're a manager listening to this, to, to evolve yourself into someone who is so good at getting others to solve problems and that you use mentorship and coaching and policy, by the way, to do that. Now, you might be going, well, how do I do that? And that's a very specific, unique skill that isn't really taught. And it's something that I love teaching because it's actually very fun. When you start to play the game of like, I'm going to be so good by not answering this question and the staff are going to be smiling about it and they're going to feel confident solving their own problems. Because also the other reason why a lot of people don't solve their own problems is they don't they actually lack the confidence to make the mistake or they don't want to take responsibility for if it all goes wrong, or they've tried to take responsibility for it and their last manager ripped them a new one when they gave the wrong solution. So you also got to realize that like staff have their own um, their own insecurities that are actually bred from previous managers and bad management in my, in my experience. So the managers also organize and they streamline and they measure and report on performance. So there's a few things that a manager is accountable for creating as a summary. A happy, engaged, high-performing team that follows policy and achieves set quotas and KPIs. So when you think about it, how on earth can a manager do all those things if a founder hasn't done theirs first? If a manager is accountable for giving orders, enforcing policy and achieving vision, they can't do that without the founder wearing their hat first and doing their job first. So what ends up happening is because the managers don't have policy, the managers start to create policy Um, or the founders think that they're being a founder, but really they're just being managers. You then have the category of group member or a staff member Super simple. They're specialists in their role. They're accountable for the achievement of whatever KPIs and quotas they have. They have consistent self-improvement. They follow orders from managers and they follow and use company policy. So we do training where we train, obviously, we, we obviously have management training where we train managers on, on, on their management skills and how to manage, but then we also train teams. So we also do staff training. And the reason why we do that is that staff need to understand that a manager's job is to give them orders and they have to be okay. And I tell them when we do the training, I, if I do it when I have done it, I tell them, I'm like, I've told your managers to give you orders. I've told them not to answer your questions. I've told them to direct you back to policy. And it, they, they actually end up gaining a brand new lens with which to look at management. And I've had staff after training come up to me and they're like, Marnie, I used to want to be a manager and I don't want to be a manager anymore once I know how hard it is. Like, 
Because when you think about it, the manager's stuck between the staff and they're stuck between the founder. You know, they're a slave to the founder. Yes, whatever you want, founder, I'll enforce your policy. I'll achieve your strategic and tactical plans. But then they're a slave to the staff. We're like, what do you need? I've got to, ma- I've got to help you produce better. I've got to help you do more. I'm not going to solve your problem. So what do you need to be able to solve your problem yourself? So these poor managers are stuck between these two entities and it's not a very glamorous role and it's, and it's looked at with a lot of glamour. But then when you're actually in it, I mean, I hope ma- managers are sitting here nodding when they're listening to this. Um, it's a very, very, very tough position to be in. And when you really educate staff properly on what it's like, they end up with a brand new perspective, a lot more respect for managers. And then the, I ask, I also, you know, I urge staff, I'm like, do you make it, do you make it easier for your manager to do their job? You know, what's your face like when they give you an order? Is your face like, go away, I hate you? Or is it like, thank you, yep, no problem, I'll do that. Do you need anything else? Can I make your life easier? You know, when I go through this stuff, are just sitting there like in silence, you know, and they, they realize that they're actually not very good at being staff members. And a good staff member lets a manager manage and they let a manager give orders and they welcome them and ask them for those orders. So... In summary, these three entities, founder, manager, team member, any business problem that you can think of falls into one of these categories. Most of the time, founders aren't fully founders. They're actually stuck being managers. They're stuck being staff. Staff don't appreciate management. They don't understand what management is. Staff don't understand what the vision is. Uh, The founder doesn't um, define the policy. So the managers are scrambling to figure out what works and what doesn't work. It's like imagine McDonald's running each franchise. Not only do they have to make sure the staff make the Big Macs, but at the same time determine how to make them. Chaos, right? So these are the problems that can occur between these entities and it can create a lot of different um, unique issues where the only way out of a business, the only way to hand over and delegate is through effective vision, strategy, tactical planning and policy. That is the only way a founder will get out. Otherwise, what ends up happening is the founder might employ a couple of staff and overpay them and it's the staff that works super hard Um, They don't get to go home on time. They don't get to go on holiday. Their phone rings all the time. They're stressed out of their brains. And so the founder can go on holiday, but only because the managers or the staff have absorbed that stress. And that's not the safe way to scale. The safe way to scale is you have a founder that's being a founder. You have very clear strategy. You have very clear tactical plans. You have very clear policy for each and every role and function. And then the managers are trained and specialists in getting staff to do their jobs and staff understand what managers are doing, they understand what founders are doing, and then you can have these three entities work a little bit more in harmony and perhaps make your life a little bit easier. 